0: This morning we're going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes, so Ecclesiastes chapter four for us today, Ecclesiastes chapter four, and you'll find that on page 670 if you're using the Pew Bible this morning, 670 in the Pew Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter four, and we're going to think about this a little bit later on in our service, so please do mark it in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter four, and we're going to read the whole chapter this morning. One of the wisdom books in Scripture, one of the three wisdom books, and here the writer is writing from the perspective of a teacher, and we're going to break in in the middle of the book, chapter 4, this morning. This is God's Word to us. Again, I looked and I saw the oppression that was taking place under the sun. And I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive, but better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not yet seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And again I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. uh, For whom am I toiling, he asked and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone?' The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Better a, poor, better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to take warning. The youth may have come from prison to kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within the kingdom. I saw all who lived and walked under the sun, followed the youth, the king's successor, there was no end to all the people who were before him, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us, and we will think about it a little later. Well, let us open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 as we think through God's word this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we're going to think through this chapter in the time that we've left here this morning. The writer of Ecclesiastes uses this word, vanity, vanity, or meaningless, meaningless. And right from the outset, we want to establish that if you go back to the root word of that word that is translated for us. It literally means life is but smoke, what we thought about with the little ones a little while ago. And here we see it on the PowerPoint, life is but smoke. So we want to establish that right from the start. So question, how can I enjoy my life? How can I enjoy my life? If I was to sit you down, perhaps in 105, with a cup of coffee and try to gather wisdom from you, and I asked you, how can I enjoy my life? I wonder what you would say to me this morning. Well, we all want to live a fulfilling life. We all want to live a satisfying life. We want to live our best life possible. We want to live the good life, satisfied, fulfilled, and then die happy. So what are our options? Well, we could hope to become a millionaire, that someday someone would just write us a check and that we could Inherit this great wealth. Perhaps we will try to travel and search after it there. Perhaps we will try and get it in our profession. What does the world say to us? What does the world give us the answer to this question? If I ask the world, How can I enjoy my life? The world will reply with one word individualism. Individualism. Now, what does individualism mean? Individualism means that we promote ourselves that you are number one and everybody else is somewhere else, that you grab as much as you can, that you beat those around you, that you have as much fun and as much pleasure as you can get, and you have a blast, and then you die. I want, I need, I must have, I will get. So the world's narrative is like the game of hungry hippos. Hungry hippos, I'm sure you've played it with a young child perhaps, you put all the balls into the middle of the little game, and then everybody has their little hippo, and you try to gather up as many balls as possible as quickly as you can, and then you gather them all out and you count them up. I got 10, I only got 8. Well then I win. And that's how we view life as individuals. I'm going to go out and I'm going to gather and grab as many little balls as I can. I'm going to go and gather as as much wealth as I can. I'm going to have the best things that I can grab. I'm going to grab them quicker than you can grab them so that I can be more successful than you are. So the world's narrative is one of individualism. Now, as we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, the, the writer here and the teacher is trying to show us that individualism will not benefit us. Very little has changed in all the hundreds of years and all the thousands of years. Individualism will not benefit us, it will leave us empty. Just like the little ones try to grab the smoke, it will all just pass through your fingers. If this is how we live life, if that is the visor that is in front of us, that is individualism, if that's the one thing that motivates us here this morning, then it's all going to come crashing down around us. So there are four areas that we're going to see it here this morning on a worldwide view, then on a local town view, a household view, and then at a country level. So, firstly, individualism at a worldwide view means that there is no one to bring comfort. Look at it there in verses one through three there's great oppression. We see it even today. There's great oppression across our world because of individualism amongst other things. The likelihood if you're a black person to be arrested in America is so much greater. The oppression of Christians in Nigeria to just mention one place. The oppression of women in India. The weak, the poor, the foreigner, the outcast, the widow, the fatherless in our society, the old person in a home with no family, the troublesome kid who has behavioral issues, or perhaps just the slightly strange person that no one wants to talk to. You see, the teacher here in Ecclesiastes 4 looks across the world, and he sees tears and torment, and no one can help. The iron grip of the oppressors is upon them. There's no one to rescue the victims, and there's no one to speak righteousness those who are the oppressors, a world that doesn't care. If it isn't happening to me and my family, then I don't care. Let everyone live as they wish. The weak are weak. It's not my fault. The powerful assert authority. There's nothing that we can do about it. It's just the way it is. I can't do anything about it. And evil is allowed to breed. It festers and individualism says, let it happen. Good people retreat and the church is silent. And what does the teacher here in Ecclesiastes conclude? He says it's better to be dead, it's better never to have been born. A horrible picture of what it does on a worldwide scale. Then, into a local town scale, we see it here in verses 4 through 6. Individualism means that you will work out of jealousy. Do you know anyone who is motivated by jealousy? Whenever I was at university the first time around studying history and politics, I knew a guy, and he was totally motivated by jealousy, driven to be the best, but at other people's expense. He would often put his friends down. He would often put you down in class. He would speak over you or contradict your thought. He would often ask, how much will you earn, do you think, in the future? How much land do you own? He was from a country background. What is your house like? Why, this is a quote, why would I be friends with them if they have no benefit for me? Always competing, never happy. A pursuit of bettering other people. And we see it here, this person works, they labor, they try to achieve as much as they can. And we see it in verse four, this too is meaningless. It is just like smoke. It is chasing after wind, absolutely pointless. Just to get a better job than you, to get better grades than you, to get a nicer car than her, to have richer parents, to have a nicer house, to have a nicer car? How much will she or he earn? What part of the town do they live in? Have they nicer clothes? Have they a nicer Bible? Have they nicer children or nicer jewellery? What is the point at all? A teacher in Ecclesiastes says why? Paul in Romans chapter 12 and and verse 9, and I'll read it here, just here Paul is channeling what's going on in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4 for the church. He says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Is that a marker of us? Or has individualism gripped us? The pursuit of rivalry and jealousy so that we can obtain wealth and nice things? And yet here in Ecclesiastes, the teacher tells us it's all smoke death will take us, nothing will save us. Worldwide view, local town view, people motivated out of jealousy at each other's throats. Then into the household, verses 7 through 12. And in the household, individualism means that we'll deprive ourselves of pleasure. The busy man or the busy woman, the one who wants to have it all, the one who wants to work work works so that they can obtain many other things. They have money as their God. Selfish ambition is what drives them. A pastor said this. He said, never once have I had a young person or a boy or a girl come into his office because their dad used to drop them off in an old rundown car. It was just so embarrassing that they couldn't forgive them. Never have I had to counsel someone who was crippled with bitterness because her dad never brought her a pony or never sent him on a school trip. But this pastor says, I've had to counsel scores of men and women who have not known their father or their mother because they spent every working hour working. Every hour given, they were in work. What is it all for? Again, the teacher says here that it's all smoke, it is vapor, it is pointless. And here in Northern Ireland, we often live to work. We don't work to live, but we live to work. It rips us apart, and it concludes with either us being alone or being lazy. And then at a country level, lastly, we see it here through verses 13 to 16, individualism will celebrate you, and then it will ditch you. Here's the image of the self-made man. It's kind of like the, the little entrepreneur who comes from nothing and comes all the way to the throne. The old foolish king is replaced. Here comes the young lad from rags and poverty, and he rises all the way to the throne. And perhaps that's often what motivates us, isn't it? We want to be remembered. That's what lies behind this section. This young lad wants to be remembered. But the fact is that he won't be remembered in 100 years. We see how people here quickly leave him. Those who came later, verse 16, those who came later were not pleased with the successor. It too was meaningless. Nothing will endure, nothing will last. How do we know this? If I was to ask you, what did your great-great-grandfather like to eat? you would just be guessing. You wouldn't know what he liked. If I was to ask you something about their life, a little small detail, what was their daily routine like? You wouldn't know. And yet here, people chase after being remembered, and they won't be. Again, the writer concludes, the teacher concludes, all is shallow. It's all Havel. It's all smoke. So where do we go? Where do we go with this passage? Where do we go with chapter four? a Worldwide level, country, household, town level, great corruption, individualism just leads it all to be like smoke. We see it here on the screen. Where do we go? How can I enjoy my life? Because here individualism doesn't work. What society, what the world tells us does not work. Just like we thought about with, the young people this morning. Individualism is a distraction for us. We chase it. We chase all these little jewels, and we run after them, and we forget about God. Here in the midst of the emptiness, in the midst of this talk at the last of our passage in the end of chapter 4 about this young man, about this young man who will come to the throne, in the midst of what it seems to be all All meaningless. Surely here there's a little, slight glimpse, a slight projection of the one who would come. Of the king who would come to the throne, the one who was arrested, who would die, but the king of kings, who would come to the throne and who would bring life, the one who would be remembered forever. Not like this young fella, not like the youth who comes from prison to the kingship, gets the throne, but then no one remembers him. this side of Easter, surely, surely this passage points us in some small ways, in some little shadow here of Jesus Christ, the one who would come and who would endure, the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who would not be forgotten, the one who would gather millions of followers, the one who who would humiliate himself, who would come to this world, and then who would reign forever, who would rise from the dead, the one who would never fade, the one who is the rock or cornerstone, the one who is not just smoke and who is not just wind. So this passage leaves us wondering, what is the point to life people chase after everything, power, money, leadership? A friend of mine who is a retired doctor was telling me that he met with a group of other retired doctors quite recently and they all had a great meal together. And they were all chatting about what they're doing in retirement. One was studying, uh, one was studying arts. One was uh, reading a, a series of books. One was studying history. Trying to fulfill their life. Men who have X amount of money. Great hordes of money. Still trying to fulfill their lives. Empty see, today, friends, if you're here, and Jesus is not the center of your life, it's really clear your life is meaningless. Your life is totally meaningless. But it can have meaning in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we gather here week after week, broken people, people who come to the Savior that we just sang about, to be mended, broken people, and we come along here and we believe in him because he is our hope, the only hope of this world. So whenever we have Jesus, it actually changes all of these points. So at a worldwide level, instead of being people who just ignore everything that's going on, who just say, well, if it's not happening to me and my family, well, then it doesn't bother me. As a church, we are motivated by it. We're motivated to cry out and to be rescuers of people rescuers of them socially. So we care for the foreigner. So we care for those who are oppressed. We care for the outcast and for the widow and for the fatherless. We care for the person who has no family, the kid who has behavioral issues. We care for them. Why? Not because we just want to be good people, because we want them to see Jesus Christ, the one who can rescue their soul. Whenever we have Jesus, it transforms us. We reach out, we help, we speak in wisdom, and we're trying to be salt and light to these people. So that's at a worldwide level. What about at a local town level? Well, instead of competing against each other, we celebrate one another. Now, we're really bad for doing this in Northern Ireland. We're really bad at doing it. If someone does well, we think that they've done it through dodgy means. How did they, how did they afford that? It must be up to something dodgy, but that's not what the gospel says to us this morning. The gospel says, instead of being jealous for other people, you celebrate them. You have a life, each of us should have a life that has the joy of the Lord in it. People who are marked by genuineness, by a life that is content. So this life enables us to enjoy one another's company. And perhaps if you're a visitor here today, that you will see that we enjoy one another's company here in this place. We actually like each other and try to like each other and love each other here. We try to encourage one another. We try to encourage the little ones. We try to encourage brothers and sisters in the Lord. How was your week? How can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do for you this week? Such and such happened in my life, and you want to celebrate that not because it's all about just positive news, but because we see life through the lens of being saved through Jesus. And then we praise Him, a thankful people, for what He is doing in our hearts and in our lives. Here in this place, we want to have a culture of people whose lives are changed. And we're people who come from death into life, from darkness into light. So our hearts are orientated towards God, And then Ecclesiastes concludes that we can enjoy life. That we can enjoy life. That we can enjoy the meal. That we can enjoy our family. That we can enjoy sport and all the good gifts because of Christ. Because we see him as a giver. Not us. Not what we can obtain. But what he has given to us. So we celebrate at a household level means we don't do things alone, that we don't become so insular, self-centered, but instead we do things in community, that we are not alone, that we delight in people, that if we have a nice car by God's grace that we share it with others. If somebody really likes to go within the speed limits in a fast car, take them for a drive in your nice car. If you have a nice home, open it to other people, bless people with it. If the Lord has blessed you with money and enough money to survive, bless other people. Be generous with it. Don't try to beat one another. The teacher here in Ecclesiastes says that we do life together. We share with one another. We're not secluded. We're not not individual. But we are a community changed and transformed by God. Grounded on him. Chapter three of Ecclesiastes says this, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. Why? Because this is God's good gift to man. How do we enjoy life? We enjoy life with having our lives based on God with Jesus right at the center and then everything flows from it. So today, friends, as we conclude, stop chasing after wind. If we're Christians here this morning, we need to have Jesus right at the center of our hearts. We need to have our hearts recalibrated this morning. So we don't be individualistic on a worldwide scale, but we care. At a town level, we're not competing with one another. We're celebrating one another. At a household level that we don't do things alone, but we do things in community. And as a country that we enjoy the world that God has given to us, So we are a hopeful people, a people transformed. How do we enjoy life? We enjoy it by celebrating in the name of Jesus. It's not what we do here every Sunday. We gather here to celebrate Jesus, what he has done for us, how he saved us by his grace. And this morning you're maybe here and you haven't tasted Jesus yet. You haven't come to him. What I'm saying sounds like a dream to you. Jesus offers himself to you says don't live life like smoke don't try to grab it like smoke it's just going to pass through your hands your life's like a vapor you'll be here one day and you'll be gone the next it's all like smoke you'll try to grab it and you'll open your hands and it's gone you've no satisfaction you're not fulfilled you're restless you don't know what's happening in your life jesus this morning says come to me come and taste and see that i am good come and taste and be part of our community here in this place, people saved by his grace, transformed and living for him with meaning in our life so we can enjoy all the things that he has given to us, so that we can enjoy the good meal whenever you go away with the ladies and enjoy a great carvery, that you can praise him because he's the one who has given it to us, that you can enjoy family, that you can enjoy the things of this world. Why? Because he's right at the center and the one who gives it to us. Christians here this morning, let us see this afresh. Let us see the beauty of this again, and let us praise God for what he has given to us. And if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, please come this morning. Come and taste and see that he is good. Let us pray. Father, in the quietness and stillness of our hearts, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. Father, we are sorry this morning for whenever we strive after ourselves and we chase individualism. Father, it's all smoke. We want this morning to have your son, Jesus, right at the center of our life. We praise you that in him we have life because of the resurrection. Father, fill our hearts this morning. We see the brokenness here of Ecclesiastes 4, how it all ends in smoke, meaningless, pointless without you, right at the center. Father, move us. Change us this morning. Melt our hearts, change our hearts, transform us so we would live to praise you. That we would say that we can enjoy life because you have given it to us. Life and life eternal. Father, bless this word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.